Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's, and a special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us today. This time of year, there can be a lot of waiting. Waiting for the packages that you ordered for Christmas to arrive, waiting in lines at the stores that seem jammed full of people, waiting in traffic for the Christmas light show. We don't like waiting, especially not when we're experiencing pain or when our problems seem overwhelming. But this morning, Jesus encourages you and me to be patient. Be patient because he is coming. We'll follow along with the order of service as it's printed out for you in your worship folder and projected on the screen as well. Uh, at this time, we begin with our opening hymn, 324.
Please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Dear friends, let us approach God with a true heart and confess our sins, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to forgive us. rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought very low. I groan in anguish of heart. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. O Lord, do not forsake me. Be not far from me. Come quickly to help me. O Lord, my Savior. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. In Jesus, you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. 
Hear our prayers, Lord Jesus Christ, and come with the good news of your mighty deliverance. Drive the darkness from our hearts and fill us with your light. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Have you noticed? It's kind of amazing how little it can take to set us off. When one thing in our day goes the wrong way, we can be a grouch the rest of the day. Yet consider what happened to Job here in our first lesson from Job chapter 1 and see any setback or any loss that God allows into your life as an opportunity to be patient and to praise the Lord. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on their camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. The word of the Lord. In our second lesson from James chapter 5, James encourages patience for the people who, as he wrote to them in his letter, were enduring all kinds of tests and trials and troubles. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. 
brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The word of the Lord. Please stand. Our gospel today from Matthew chapter 11 serves as the basis for our sermon. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn.
mercy and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ who is our joy and our peace. Amen. God's word we consider in our sermon today is the gospel from Matthew 11. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This time of year, people tend to develop great expectations. And maybe it has something to do with the relentless marketing that we're bombarded with on the TV and radio and internet. Maybe it has something to do with childhood nostalgia. We just want things to be picture perfect, everything to go a certain way. That young woman expects a great present from her boyfriend for Christmas. And the children expect wonderful toys to play with from their parents. The family expects to have a great Christmas vacation that's very low on disagreement and high on good memories. People expect to be able to listen to some great holiday and Christmas music, have some time to relax, and reflect on what's most important. Uh, but having these great expectations, is it realistic? Is it helpful? Have you noticed that it seems as though there's always something that gets in the way or something that goes wrong? And how challenging it is to have those great expectations. Today, Jesus encourages you and me that we can have great expectations. And yes, we should have great expectations because they're fulfilled in the Christ and they're found in his kingdom. John the Baptist certainly had great expectations. For all those who went out and listened to John the Baptist preach, John was expecting someone great he pointed ahead to the one who would come after him, who was powerful. And this coming one would pour out the Holy Spirit on people. He would be worthy. This coming one would wield a sharp axe and chop down fruitless trees. He would winnow the righteous from the wicked, sweeping the wicked into eternal flames and storing up the righteous, the repentant, into heavenly silos. Great expectations. And then, John even saw him. John stood next to him. John baptized him in the Jordan River and testified to other people, look, there is the Christ, the Lamb of God. And yet, where was John now? John was in prison. John was languishing in a cell all because he did simply what the Lord asked him to do, to preach repentance. John called on King Herod, it is unlawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. Because John called out a king on something that he wanted to be free to do. Herod wanted John dead. But because Herod was afraid of the people and how popular John the Baptist was with the people, John simply, uh, Herod simply left John the Baptist in prison. Well, what about all of that axe talk? 
Where is that sharp axe to chop down Herod? Where is the coming fire? Where is the winnowing fork to clear John and and to let him out of prison? Where was all that? So John the Baptist sent some of his disciples to go and ask Jesus, Are you really the one? Are you the one who is to come, the one that we've been expecting? Or should we look for someone else? Jesus, as he answered John's disciples, Jesus didn't say, well, yeah, of course I'm the Christ. Everything will be all all fine, nothing to worry about. Go back to John, tell him to chill out. Jesus didn't say that. Instead, Jesus pointed to Scripture. Jesus quoted several portions of Isaiah chapter 35 because Jesus wanted John's expectations to line up with everything that God had promised. This is what God had promised. This is what I came to do. And it's fascinating as you read Matthew chapter 8 through Matthew chapter 10, you see how he has built us up for Jesus to mention these prophecies from Isaiah 35, all the different things that Matthew records Jesus doing, how how Jesus had cleansed a leper from that skin condition, how Jesus had remotely healed an important official's servant, how Jesus, by the authority of his word, was able to do that. Jesus raised from the dead a little girl, Jesus opened the eyes of a blind man and made it so the mute could speak. Jesus drove out demons, went around healing diseases, and gave his disciples the authority to do that as well. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus was telling John the Baptist and John's disciples and everyone there who was listening, I came exactly as promised. Everything that you should have expected was here. Now, when Isaiah used terms like eyes being opened and ears being able to hear again, it's important to understand the context of Isaiah because the Lord said, Isaiah, you're going to preach to a people who have eyes but don't see, ears but don't really hear. That was a picture for stubborn unbelief. Yet as Jesus the Messiah came, He not only opened eyes and ears, but he opened hearts. Good news is proclaimed to the poor. Those who thought they were well off didn't need the riches that Christ had to offer. They didn't need to hear that. But to those poor souls who had nothing of their own to offer God, they embraced the good news and believed it. This is the one. The one that we have expected. Have you ever found yourself falling into the trap that John the Baptist fell into? Trapped in a prison of doubt and persecution? And Jesus, are you really the one that I've been looking for, the one that I've wanted? Are you really my heart's desire? Because at times of crisis, Doubts hit us hard. We get that result back from the doctor, and he says, we need to have more tests because something doesn't look right. When the wheels are falling off the wagon with our family, when we're going through so much pain and loneliness, 
We go to Jesus and say, everything's falling apart, Lord. Are you really the one whom I was looking for? Everything that I've been hoping in, everything I've been trusting in, is, is this for real? Is this good enough? Or when you, as a child of God, out of concern for someone else's soul, go and talk to them about their sin because you care about them. And they turn you into the enemy. Maybe you talk to a friend or a brother or a sister or one of your own children and they turn around and hate you for it and stir up other people against you for it and you have all these problems. Jesus, should I really be following you or is there some easier way? Is there something else I could do? Jesus warns us in those crisis moments of doubt and persecution, don't stumble. Don't fall from faith. Watch out. Be warned. Then Jesus, in his mercy, he sends the messengers that we so desperately need. If even that powerful preacher John the Baptist had doubts, so do preachers and teachers today, so do the best-equipped Christians today. Any of us can struggle with those doubts. So Jesus sends messengers to us and says, expect what the Word tells you. Go back to the Word. Look at how I, the Christ, have fulfilled everything in these scriptures for you. Blessed are you when you are hated because of me. Because I was hated too. Blessed are you when you were, are persecuted as a follower of mine, because I was persecuted too. Blessed are you when you suffer in my service, because I suffered too, and all for you at the cross. Blessed are you, for you, your eyes will be opened, and you will see with your own eyes that your Redeemer lives. Blessed are you, because you will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. Blessed are you, because your ears will be opened to hear the many multitudes praising the Lamb who was slain. Blessed are you, because you have been cleansed. All of your sins and doubts and weaknesses washed away through water and the Word. Blessed are you because your dead body will be raised to life to live with me, the Christ, forever. You can go to Jesus with the greatest expectations ever and know that they will be fully met, fulfilled in him. They're also found in his kingdom. As John's disciples walked away with Jesus' report, can you understand how people who had followed John and heard the conviction in John's preaching, if they heard doubts from John, maybe they would have been a little bit shaken too. If someone that you look up to falters or falls, would you need a little reassurance too? So Jesus talked to the crowds, and Jesus said, as those disciples of John were walking away so that they could still hear it too, Jesus had some things to say about John the Baptist. Who did you go out in the wilderness to see? 
a reed swayed by the wind? As thousands of people flocked out to the Jordan River to see John the Baptist, that was a a relatively uninhabited area, but there were, by the Jordan River, reeds that when the wind blew, they would sway back and forth. Yet when they went to see John the Baptist, there was no swaying. John the Baptist did not bend his teaching or his proclamation because of powerful people around him or money. John wasn't swayed by other opinions or the latest teachings. John powerfully proclaimed to the Pharisees and Sadducees, those important people, those people who were impressive and swayed the people, John called them a brood of vipers, children of the devil. John didn't shy away from telling tax collectors, don't collect any more than you're required to. John boldly said to soldiers in in the Roman army, he said, don't extort people for money and don't falsely accuse them. John boldly proclaimed to everyone, share food and clothing with those who are in need. John did not hesitate or hold back from calling out King Herod on his sin. No. John was not a reed that swayed back and forth in the wind. He was grounded and firmly planted in God's word and God's message for the people. And Jesus, by drawing this out, Jesus puts his stamp of approval for the messengers that you and I go to listen to. You and I should go out to see prophets, preachers, teachers. We should be part of congregations and thankful to have a church body that doesn't back down on God's word, that's faithful to God's word, firmly grounded and rooted in it, that tirelessly proclaims repentance Turn away from sin. Turn toward your Savior. Listen to that unchanging, unfaltering message of the condemnation for sin. And look to that unchanging, unwavering comfort that you have in your Savior. This is the message. These are messengers that we should go out to. We should be eager to listen to. We should follow. They preach repentance just as John the Baptist did. Jesus continued, Did you go out to see someone who was dressed in fine clothing? No. Those who wear fine clothing are in king's palaces. John the Baptist didn't dress like that rich man in Jesus' parable who went around wearing purple and fine linen and living in luxury every day. No. John the Baptist, he wore clothing made of camel skin and wore a leather belt, that rough and rugged apparel Because John the Baptist didn't set his heart on soft and sinful lifestyles here in this world. He was looking forward to. He was longing for the kingdom of heaven. That's what he preached to the people who went out to him. As you and I track Matthew's gospel this church year, we'll come to see that that phrase, the kingdom of heaven, is used so often by Matthew the Jewish audience that Matthew wrote for needed to hear it because the Jews, they were looking for an earthly kingdom. The Messiah, he should come and drive out the Romans and and set up an earthly kingdom for us here. Yet we as Americans, we struggle with that same thing. We look for 
an earthly kingdom with all of the best in transportation and communication and entertainment, with all kinds of food and clothing choices at the click of a button. Those things are great. We can enjoy those things to God's glory when he blesses us with them. To go out to John the Baptist and see his rough and rugged and resilient attitude toward the things of this world as he looked toward the kingdom of heaven, we would do well to take on John's attitude about those things. Who did you go out to see? A prophet? No more than that. Jesus pointed out how John the Baptist was special. He was specially prophesied hundreds of years earlier by Isaiah and by Malachi. John was specially delivered to parents who in their old age shouldn't have been able to have children. Yet by a miracle, John the Baptist was born of aged Zechariah and Elizabeth. He was the special forerunner of the Christ, had that special position. And that's why Jesus could say, of all those people born of woman until now, John the Baptist was the greatest. Some great people. Think of Moses and Samuel, Isaiah and Jeremiah, Elijah and Elisha, Daniel and Malachi, all of those great prophets. But John the Baptist was greater still. Not because of how much he preached or how many followers he had or any miracles which aren't recorded by John the Baptist, but it's because of that position he held. John the Baptist saw Jesus. John the Baptist looked into the face of the promised one whom all those other people only longed to see and pointed each other toward. John the Baptist had that position greater than anyone else except you and me. You and I who are the least in the kingdom of heaven. You and I with all of our sins and our weaknesses and our faults and all our shortcomings. Jesus says here, you are greater than John the Baptist. Not by character, not because of things that you've done, but by privilege. And Jesus reminds us here that to have privilege, this kind of privilege, this advantage, it's a good thing, a positive thing. That you have something John the Baptist only wished he could have seen here in this life. As you go to God's word, you go and you see Jesus and all that he has done for you. John the Baptist didn't see all of that. As you go to God's word, you see Jesus who wasn't ever swayed, wasn't ever deterred, not by his own people rejecting him, not by one of his disciples betraying him, not by the Roman soldiers beating him. Jesus resolutely went to the cross for you. As you go to God's word, you see Jesus who wasn't concerned about the clothing he wore, just strips of cloth in the manger. His clothes were stripped from him at Calvary. As you go to the Word, you see Jesus who lived under the law in your place, who died on the cross for you, who rose again for you. It is finished. You get to look back on Jesus' completed work for you, something John the Baptist never saw. And as you come to the font 
the least, bringing nothing to offer God, you come away from the font as the greatest, as an heir of the kingdom of heaven. As you come to the table today, you're the least, bringing only your sin and guilt, but you come away with Jesus' body and blood, which is more precious than gold or silver. What could be greater than that? Keep going back to the word, because there you see what John the Baptist could only dream of seeing in his time. You see Jesus and his completed work for you. You can have the greatest of expectations as you, a member of the kingdom of heaven, go back over and over again to God's word. So what did John the Baptist expect there in prison? Did John the Baptist expect to be there for a few more years? Or to be released before long? Or to go back down by the Jordan and preach some more? John's disciples did deliver that message to him. And on the day that there was that dinner party and that seductive dance, and on the day that there was that devious request, On the day that the executioner's blade whistled through the air, that report of Jesus could ring in John the Baptist's ears. The dead are raised, and good news is preached to the poor. That's you, John. And that's you, dear Christian friend. So when that day comes for you and me, whether it's sooner or later, we have the greatest of expectations, more than we could ever ask for or imagine, because Jesus has fulfilled all of God's promises for us. Because in Jesus, we will be found in the kingdom of heaven forever. Amen. Please stand. I mean, the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, Light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you this Advent season for the great expectations that we have in you as members of your heavenly kingdom. Help us to remain focused on the teachings and promises in your word that we may enjoy all that you have given us forever. Holy Spirit, please bless the call deliberations for Katie Kudrin, who is considering teaching 3K at St. Paul's, and for Deb Doletsky, who is considering second grade here for next year. Give to them both clarity, peace, and joy as they serve in your kingdom. Heavenly Father, please watch over Jan Radu as she undergoes back surgery tomorrow, December 12th, as well as Carl Tapel, who has been hospitalized with heart-related concerns this week, and also Betty Klingeisen, who has been hospitalized the past couple weeks. Grant healing and recovery to these, your children, according to your will. Jesus, we also give you thanks for the great scan results for Greg Johnson after the conclusion of his chemo treatments recently. Please keep the cancer away and give him and Dawn many more years of joyful service to you here together. And we join to pray in our Savior's name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always.